This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstiles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First Row Collectibles. If you're into nerd culture, if you're into wrestling memorabilia, if you're into sports memorabilia, please visit firstrow.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20. You'll get 20% off. They got everything from comic books to signed wrestling figures, signed sports memorabilia, you name it. They got it. Best thing is they update daily and they ship worldwide. So please visit them at firstrow.ca. If you're into video games and books, please visit bossfightbooks.com for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like World of Warcraft, Kingdom Hearts 2, Metal Gear Solid and so many others. Everything you see on their websites available in paperback and ebook format, so please check them out at bossfightbooks.com. And if you're looking for the best supplements and CBD products, visit legacysubs.com and use promo code THEPODCAST to receive 10% off. They have everything from sleep aid to muscle building, anything you need or want that makes you feel better. It's not only for your athletes, it's for your everyday People out there, it works, it's great, it's fantastic. They are Legacy Sports Nutrition. Visit them at LegacySubs.com. And if you want to support me monetarily, you can visit my merchandise store, itpublic.com, or scroll down on today's device in the description. It's embedded right there. Click on that link. It takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to T-shirts to cell phone cases. Anything you need or want, it is literally there. But the easiest thing, the freest thing, the most important thing everyone should be doing, if not done already, is... Rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, most specifically Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week's guest is a comedian, writer, and actor who has won the Canadian Comedy Award for Best Breakout Artist of 2019. He has performed at events such as the Halifax Comedy Festival, Just for Laughs, and JFL Northwest, to name just a few. You may have also seen him on HBO Canada's Homegrown Comics, CBC's The New Wave of Stand-Up, and Humor Resources. Stand-Up comic, Kyle Brownrigg. Hi, how are you? Doing fantastic. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I would like to point out okay. that uh, that intro that you gave me, a lot of that information was from my Wikipedia page. Okay. Um, 
I have never been on HBO. I would love to say what that I was. I just watched so, it. I watched it yesterday on Crave. Isn't that part of I'm HBO? On, I guess, but like when we filmed it, it was part okay. of Comedy Network before CTV like absorbed oh. it. Oh, and then it got put onto Crave. But some person, and okay. I'm not mad about this. I'm not <laughs> mad about this false information, but sure, sure. some person made a Wikipedia page about my career, and they said that I was on HBO. Oh my god! And uh, listen, I'm not going to correct them, but I just <laughs> don't want to. You know, I feel like I should, if if it's in conversation, I'll be like, just FYI. Yeah. Well, again, like I said, uh, for Canadians, obviously, because there's people listening around the world too, but Crave is like our, I guess what, our main streaming platform that we have up here. Like you get all kinds yeah. of uh, American shows. We have HBO on there, Showtime, and a few others, right? So that's why, maybe that, maybe it was an American who did it and he just figured, oh, it was on HBO Canada because that's what they sort of call right. it up here, right? And again, before, because yeah. I think it used to be called the Movie Network up here and then it got absorbed too in that whole whatever happened between Bell and Rogers and whatnot. But anyways, it TMN. is what it is. Yeah, we had it called TMN and then it was, but my favorite one was TMN Encore because it was all oh. the old movies that there they played go. yes yeah and yes. then tmn encore on demand like i'm a big movie person so yeah oh yeah oh nice perfect yeah. i'm sure we'll bring up a lot of movies throughout the, this hour too but okay how about this what's the difference or what's the preference of being called a comedian a comic a stand-up like is is there anything or is it just whatever people want to say I mean, whatever it is that people want to say, to be honest with you, I have just officially come to terms with the fact that I am such a purist when it comes to stand-up comedy. I believe that if you're a stand-up comedian, uh, you should be doing... I'm, I'm like old school. Okay. My approach is old school, where it's like setup, punch, misdirection, like classic joke writing. And then I see a lot of other comics that just kind of do act outs and voices and stories. And I'm like, well, that's not really stand up. That's kind of like a one woman or a one man show. However, that, but that is stand up though, you know, and for a long time, I never, I didn't consider a lot of types of comedies as stand up because I'm like, that's not the old school stand up that I'm used to. Uh, But now I would say, because I, I've grown and I've learned and I'm <laughs> what? I'm comedy woke. What's the word? I don't know. But sure. now I'm all, inclusive of all forms of comedy. If you say you're a stand-up, great. But just comedian is fine, I suppose. Also, I don't really give it. Th- this is the most thought I've given to that question. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So what made you want to be a comic then or a comedian? You know, it was, well, first of all, I love attention. Oh, okay. Uh, first of all. And second of all, uh, you know, I knew that my life was going to be in art somehow uh, okay. because I thought it was a slam dunk to get a, a visual arts degree in university. Mm. Uh, yeah. And to be fair, though, uh, <laughs> it was totally worth it because afterwards, I got to work in an art gallery for free. So, you know, it, yeah, it really was a mistake, but, (laughs) but I, I, I'm just very artistically inclined. I could never work in an office. I've always been pretty funny. And, um, so it was just, my family was always very like encouraging me to go in. Like my parents are huge fans of stand up comedy. I don't know if you know the late Mike McDonald, um, but, you know, like, they used to go in, because I'm from Ottawa, okay. um, and 
they used to see him in like the early 80s at like open mics like they love stand-up so when i was so my family's always been like comedy inclined let's say and then when i wanted to get into stand-up it was just they were very encouraging of that which is probably the opposite of a lot of people that say they want to get into stand-up most of their parents are like disowning them or so i don't know but just, right exactly well it is not what they say that you got to suffer before you become a good comic and it sounds like you know you you have loving parents obviously so like yeah. <laughs> where do you draw from your inspiration because if you have no dark passenger as they call it what's your inspirations well i think that i am unique to a lot of people because most people have never seen a gay person with confidence um, so I think that's like a game changer for a lot of audiences. They're like, sure. we tried to destroy you. What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> Got all happy on stage. Get out of here. And so, you know, I mean, I think for me, like my comedy is a little bit more universal because I don't take from these sad stories to create, um, an, a show of clapter and, I just came out and then people are like, Oh my God, for like, it's, that's sure. not comedy. It's like, I have a bunch of jokes. Uh, if you like the jokes, fantastic. If you don't, you're wrong. And then I just kind of do my thing. Uh, I'm not, I do talk a lot about my life, but I don't talk about like struggles a lot in my stand up because sure. uh, frankly, I don't find them to be terribly funny a lot of the time, unless the circumstances were like, you know, me talking about, like, my drinking problem, for example, like, my first date that my boyfriend and I were ever on, we were completely hammered on the news. What? Like, yeah, like, that was our first date. So it's like, I'll joke about that kind of stuff, because it's it's funny, but, like, no, like, I don't take from, like, my dark childhood and experience and and things like that and then turn it into comedy but i like i'm saying like i love attention so okay well you can't just leave that so-called matzo ball hanging out there why were you guys featured on tv what was going on like how drunk did you get and what did you guys do man so like i'm a stand-up comedian okay. and stand-up comedians like substance abuse just comes with the gig sheet okay so like it the thing the thing it's like and this is very common with most not all, okay. but when I say most, I mean like 98% of stand-up comedians at some point develop a really bad drinking problem because you work in bars, you work in clubs, makes sense. you work in... Yeah. It, 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 sometimes you don't get paid, but you get paid in free booze. Right. So it's like you're, you're like encouraged to drink, but it's almost <laughs> like after a couple seasons, right. you kind of have to retire your jersey because the drinking gets so bad. And honestly, I had a great career. I'll be honest with you. I had a lot of, I had a great team out there, you know, and uh, I wouldn't have done it different, but you know, it just started getting really messy for me. But at the height of messy, this is when I started dating uh, my boyfriend. He's from Ireland. Okay. Okay. So like, there's a red flag because. Oh my God. He's Irish. I'm a stand up comedian. Everywhere we go is like an AA meeting. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, it's just, we drink a lot. Yeah, yeah. And uh, first date, yeah, we just, we just, and here's the thing. If oh. you're going to go on a first date with somebody, okay. it, it just fucking drink. Be crazy. Be your, the gross version of yourself immediately to just get it over with. Because I noticed, Good point. and this is a th- gay, straight, whatever, couples, the first like three months when they're dating, they yeah. do this like super fake. Right extremely better version of themselves Mm -hmm. because you know like three months in he 
still hasn't figured out that she is actually the girl from the ring, right? And, like, he has seven <laughs> days, right? And he doesn't know that. So it's like, what you got to do on a first date, yeah. you got to bring your crazy up front just so that they know what they're getting themselves into. Because otherwise, it's, it's like you're kind of lying in a way. So for me, we got wasted on our first date because we're just keeping it real. I'm going to get drunk. You're going to get drunk. And then if we can handle that, the, the couple that drinks together stays together, I guess, is, is what I'm saying. But the right. point is, is we were, uh, yeah, we got really hammered. Then we got kicked out of the bar. And we, uh, on the, we were just walking on the street. And then CP24 News was there, right. like, interviewing people about the oh. upcoming pride parade because we were in the gayborhood okay okay and uh they were just yeah yeah they were just like asking us about the upcoming pride parade sure. and she had the, the reporter had okay. no idea that we were completely fucking hammered <laughs> and it hurt yeah oh, it just awesome. just time traveling <laughs> in a full blackout like and honestly in oh, her wow. defense this was like monday at 6 30 so it was not like sure. you know and uh it's i have like i can send you the clip like it's 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 very yeah so that i turn into comedy of course you know but i don't often take darkness from my past and turn it into comedy unless it's like funny in some way yeah and uh, like even if the listeners haven't uh, already observed it, you're very witty and i think that was what makes uh, personally my favorite co comedians are the ones who are like on the spot and could you know uh, improvise and just go with it and you know like the wittiness like that in all honesty you could teach someone to write you could teach someone how to place jokes here and there but i don't think you could teach witty I, I, am i wrong oh, okay so let me so let me read you a quote so okay go this quote that i that i heard from uh, oscar wilde that i love is anything that is worth knowing cannot be taught and the reason why that resonated with me so much is because there is a part of comedy because there are like so many like how to do stand up and how to do improv and sure. how to do courses taught by failed comedians. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, do you know? And it's like not always, but in general. So I know you're kind of you like, well, yeah. it's like, what exactly are you teaching them? Because it didn't really work out for you. So if anything, you're kind of just like profiting off of sure. their ignorance because they don't know, like the students don't know any better. Right. Um, I mean, that's one opinion, but also like um, the thing about stand-up and comedy, you have to naturally have a sense of comedy and a sense of humor as in, like, you have to understand what is and what isn't funny and how to adjust and how to manipulate that sure. um, to begin with. If you don't have that, I cannot teach a bird how to fly. Like, it's like, it's, it's one of these things where it's like, I can teach you what not to do. I can teach you, like, when you're on stage the microphone stand if you take the microphone out of the microphone stand you have to put the microphone stand behind you because otherwise this the microphone stand is a barrier in front of you it's distracting it's unprofessional makes sense things like that right. it's like you can teach people things like that but you can't teach people how to be funny i can't tell you how many people i see that have been doing comedy for like 12 years 15 years 20 years doing the same jokes that they've been doing for like a decade oh wow they're not going anywhere they're not getting it okay. and then you start to question their intelligence a little bit because you're like what <laughs> oh, is it you, like i get if it you just you know it's like you just keep 
doing the same thing over and over again and you're getting the same results. Insanity. I mean, you're not growing. You're not learning. Yeah. If you're not learning and growing, then I'm sorry, but like you're, uh, what's the word? Like you're just a little, um, you're out of touch with reality or something. I don't of know. Course. But to answer your question, no, I don't really think that you can teach stand up, but I do think that you can be like, don't do this and try that. But it's, it is an art form and you do have to have some discernible talent to succeed. Well, how about this to throw out there? Cause I always love to play devil's advocate, not to say that you're wrong, but how about those people who are like stuck and like you said, are going nowhere. What if that's just their comfort zone and they're just happy there and you know, they make a decent living or whatnot and they don't care to get famous or break out or anything. I have never met a stand-up comedian okay. who was fine with not moving forward okay. in their career. I, okay, okay. I have never met a stand-up comedian who <laughs> was like, oh my god, yeah, like, I don't want any actual work. And I, oh, I don't want to book a festival. Right. Like, I've never... No. Comedians are bitter. Okay. I literally have a show, a monthly show at Comedy Bar called It Gets Bitter. Mm. Because it's just... It was kind of an LGBTQ thing, but then I was like, no, I'm just describing comedians. All comedians, uh, I think all of us, the one thing that we have in common is we all felt left out for some reason Mm. at some point in our life about what what the fuck ever. Sure. And this is our opportunity to to express ourselves about it. And I'm not exactly sure what what that means, but being a bitter person is kind of what fuels stand-up comedians to succeed i guess or at least that's been my experience but hasn't it obviously i'm assuming so because i've had some comedians on too that say the same that when they first started it was literally cutthroat but as the years passed you know what i mean it's gotten better there's you know not as many clicks as there used to be everyone's accepted like you said do you find or have you seen that difference if anything, it's gotten worse. Oh shit! Say, as like, I, that's horrible. As I, yeah, the more success that I have, okay, the more you find who your real friends are. That I've heard, yes. And I've also felt that um, the clickiness is just as bad as it ever has been. Oh, um, okay. Very much like you can't do my show, but this person can do my. It's very much like uh, friends just supporting each other. Sure. And. Um, if you're not like in the friend group, it's like you're never going to do their show. And I find the Toronto stand-up group is is very clicky, um, borderline toxic. It oh. used to be much much worse years ago. There was this um, very prominent figure in the community who's a a leader in the LGBTQ community. This trans comic that just okay. was canceling everybody left and right was policing everybody and then ironically they ended up being caught for something that they did and then got cancelled I think it's gotten better since that time this would have been 2019 when this happened 2020 or whatever but it's gotten better but no I find that the Toronto stand-up group is how about this the less amount of comedians that you know in your life Uh the better we are just garbage human beings, oh just God. in general. Like, just, just if you find if you are out and someone's like, "Oh, I do stand up," just run. Like, just 
get away from them. We're horrible people. Oh my goodness. Okay, well, you said it. Navigating through all this cancel culture and stuff as a comic, obviously that's gone 10 times worse over the years. How do you navigate through all this? Are you scared? Do you have to double think when you're writing a new act yes. or anything? Yeah. Yes, I'm terrified oh, every day. Fuck. I literally, everything I do is hyper analyzed because okay. everything that you do. People think that you're – it's like when I go up on stage in a comedy club, depending on what I say, somebody could just freak out and they think that even though I'm at a comedy club, they're watching like a TED Talk or <laughs> something. It's like it's a joke. It was intended to be a joke. But listen, right. that being said, I also think that people need to be more thoughtful with their words because the shit that you say can affect other people. Right. This being said though – um, I do believe in like wokeness. I do think sometimes it goes a little bit too far. I hate cancel culture. I think that it's just super toxic. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, whenever I move, cause I'm from Ottawa, I think in Ottawa, people are more willing to be like, if you say something offensive or let's say a, a little problematic or like a little racist, a little transphobic, a little, a little bit, but you're kind of, it's clearly intended as a joke. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you can get away with it gotcha. in Toronto. Oh no. The city will shut down. <laughs> it is so ridiculous. Oh my God. People are so offended in Toronto is probably the most progressive hyper liberal city. I think I've ever been to and lived in in my entire life Mm. and there's nothing wrong with that but i do think that sometimes they don't consider that not everybody is from downtown toronto and people like from alberta for example might have a different perspective than somebody that grew up in downtown toronto uh with like you know hippie parents and stuff like that and again neither one of those experiences is more valuable than the other but i do find that the toronto audiences tend to be very limited with their perspective and what they will accept is comedy and what isn't comedy right which can be frustrating but when i moved to toronto i had to unlearn a lot of shit oh wow i had to like really check myself i mean i used to have some problematic material and then you know you realize and you learn and then you you grow from that i think that's a good thing i think that what a lot of the younger comics in toronto don't seem to understand is that people can make mistakes Mm -hmm. and then learn from that and then move on and then grow as a person and then just be like yeah that was a shitty thing that i did like 10 years ago but like i'm not that person anymore and i clearly fucked up and i find that a lot of toronto people toronto comics have a hard time with that Mm. yeah yeah, it's just funny how it's like with total 360 because i was born and raised in toronto i grew up downtown i haven't lived downtown in like in probably 20 years now and to go down there now and see how it's changed and even like the attitude, the how the people are, it is such a 360. It's crazy how it just happened like that over. Like if you were here in the 80s and 90s, you would have loved being a comic. I'm telling you. <laughs> I mean, I love being a comic now in Toronto, but you do have to be very, very careful with your words. Yeah, that sucks, man. I could only imagine. Well, some consider like JFL to be like the Super Bowl of comedy, right? How was your first experience at JFL? And how many times have you actually performed at JFL? Um, I've performed at Jokes for Laughs, like, specifically how many times? I don't, like, probably, like, over four or five. Okay. Um, uh, Something like that. I'm not exactly sure. But um, my first experience 
was I was selected for um, a show called Homegrown. And what that is, is it's like they take the the up and coming comics in Canada uh, from across the country. And I think there's like 10 slots per year. And it's like the people that just for laughs sort of recognizes as like you, like you've got it. Like Uh you, you, you're like an up and comer and and they recognize your talent. And in a way, when you have that just for laughs seal of approval on your resume, it sort of adds like a bit of a prestige Mm -hmm. to helping you get through doors um, that might be difficult to open in the industry with with festivals, maybe talking to show producers. uh, Maybe you wanted to pitch a TV show to a network when you have that just for laughs on your resume. So in a way, so homegrown is just kind of a way of them validating, like we believe in you and we think that you have um, the talent to, to do this. And when I did it, um, it was a TV show taping. Okay. And they never did it again. I don't know if what? we fucked it up or something. <laughs> I don't know if we, if, or maybe the, it, it just it didn't get like a lot of attention. Um, right. but it's on Crave if you want to watch it. But um, yeah, it was it was a TV taping, and it was it was a really it was a really awesome experience. How about any other festivals on your bucket list? Is there any uh, you want to hit before your you call it a career? Well, Canada's tricky. There's not really a ton of festivals. Um, there's like the Halifax Comedy Festival, Winnipeg Comedy Festival, um, Just for Laughs. Uh, I think it's called Vancouver now, but it used to oh. be called Northwest. Uh, JFL 42 is the Toronto one. Right. And that's kind of it. They also have like smaller ones. Like there's a Calgary Festival and everyone has these like little tiny festivals. But, you know, in Canada, if you're a stand-up comic, there's not a ton of work. There's not a ton of opportunity. It's very um Which I hear all the time from you guys. Yeah, you got a lot of people leave. They go to the states. They go to the UK. Exactly right to to, to succeed. And um, I understand. Like my one of my best friends, Michelle Shaughnessy, she just moved over to the UK. Like lover a month ago, former guest. You know? Yes. Yeah, she's uh, she's the best. So, how about you? Are you going to make the move eventually, or are you content? Again, you say that comics are always trying to reach for the brass for the glass ceiling, right? So, what's going to happen with you down the road? Do you think? I mean. My boyfriend is from Ireland. Maybe oh, we'll go that's right. back to the UK. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, I mean, he's well, he's from Ireland, not Northern Ireland, which is part of the UK. But we would go to like England because apparently, like, the comedy scene there is just amazing. I don't think I would go to the states. I frankly am <laughs> like just terrified of Americans. Like, they scare the shit out of me. Oh, the way they are represented in the media. I I'm, know, like, right? I, I just I, like it's probably extremely exaggerated, but I just. Going into a show, just being like, ah, like I know you people have guns. Like, I <laughs> know <laughs> it's uh, true. You can't have you road know. rage down there either, because someone could just shoot you. Yeah, like and like you know, being a gay kid in Canada, like, is it has its difficulties. But like in the states, I don't need to double down on my hate crimes. You know, like I've already filled my quota. You know what I'm saying? So like, we're good. <laughs> How about performance wise? Like, do you have any like? Uh, uh, rituals beforehand or superstitions that you do before you go up on stage? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm always nervous. That never goes away. Really? Um, That's interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That feeling of, like, diarrhea, like, that never stops. Uh, but why which... do you think? Because you say you love attention. Is it just uh, the fear of screwing up or something? <laughs> I mean, like, you, you're nervous because you want to do a good job. Okay, gotcha. And also, um, 
this might be a little too inside baseball, but Uh-oh. whenever you do get to like a certain level okay. and you're, you have the credits, you have the comedy special, you have this, you have that people expect so much more from you mm. or they expect you to consistently be at that level. Um, because the comics that don't have those things are bitter and jealous. And then if they see you not doing well, it like makes them spiral. Like, Oh, if this person is getting all these things and then they just bombed out a show. Blah, and it's like, but listen, I also am not too concerned about what other comedians think about me. If I did that, I would not have a life because it's, it's just so toxic and it's just so easy to get caught up in that. Cause there's sure. just so much drama all the time. But, um, you know, you really just want to make sure that, like, uh, uh, there's just a lot of pressure. It it feels like there's a lot of pressure on your shoulders when you do kind of succeed and you do kind of get up there. So that is also part of it as well. Like, you want to do a good job. I also write out, like, my little set list of the order of my jokes, even though I know what it is. I like to just do that as as a thing. But other than that, like, not really. No, it's just having anxiety attacks and writing down my jokes and that's my pre-show ritual <laughs> well speaking of anxiety and d- diarrhea feeling have you ever had an accident on stage like that like taking a shit on stage kind of situation or anything or you're just so anxious that you just had to stop mid-set or anything um i mean i don't think so like i'll be honest with you like when okay so i okay so i have like general anxiety disorder panic disorder and um, obsessive compulsive disorder. Oh, wow. uh, not to brag. And see the wittiness. Uh, I, 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 I did like the medication shit for a while, and then like okay. I was in therapy for a bit. I, if you've never done, I think everybody can benefit from therapy. I very much, very much recommend the therapy route. But there you go. Ultimately, I have to just sort of learn to live like with my mental shit, and. Uh, what I will say is that when I get on stage and I grab that microphone, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. It just turns off like a switch. Oh, wow. Like it's like all I describe my mental health. All that like 24 yeah. seven is like the first 20 minutes of saving private Ryan, oh, like wow. just carnage, just chaos, like in my brain all the time. Okay. But the moment that I grab the microphone, uh-huh. it just is gone. I think it's because I'm not in my head and it's like all adrenaline or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. No, I've never had an accident on stage. I've never gotten sick. I've never, I have held back so much vomit from being so fucking hungover. Oh, true. Going out the night before partying and all that shit. You know, I've, I've done that, but I've, I've never, no, I've never gotten (laughs) shit in my pants. Although I do know comics that have but we don't need to name them <laughs> no 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 names here it's not an uncommon <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of how about being under the influence did you ever perform under the influence oh my god yes like all the time that's sometimes when you're performing in like elk lake ontario it's <laughs> like lake. you, you need oh yeah like my career's on fire but like whenever you are like in those situations right sometimes you need to have like a pint just Sure. Just to give a shit, just to get it going, because, like, yeah, like it, sometimes there's just shows where you're just like, I, I need, I need something to get by. But I, uh, 
for me, I got, it got a little out of control. I've actually been sober now for like four and a half months. Okay. Uh, because like my, my drinking was so bad, but uh, yeah, like performing drunk, frankly, and this is what scares me. Um, and this is how I knew my drinking was getting really bad. I go oh. into autopilot. Oh no! It's like, I don't even remember doing it, but oh. I know that I'm doing a good job because right. it's just, I'm just, I'm not even thinking about it. Of it's course. like I've checked out and, but yeah, I, I don't I don't think that's a good thing. Like I don't think that that's cute. Like I I, I don't recommend that. Uh, but yes, I've performed drunk many times. <laughs> How about audience dealings? Have you had bad hecklers or people bum rush to stage or anything? I mean, I was performing in uh, Cochrane, Alberta. Okay. And this was about a this was about a month and a half ago. Excuse me, about a month and a half ago, maybe a month. Okay. And. Uh, you know, the trucker rally protest was right. like fresh. Okay. okay. And I get out on stage. I wouldn't say that Cochrane, Alberta is like small town, but I okay. wouldn't say that it's like a major city. True. So it's kind of in somewhere in between. Yeah. And uh, almost like a, like a suburb about like 45 minutes outside of Calgary. Exactly. Yeah. So I was performing in this bar and everybody that pulled up into the parking lot was driving a Ford F1 hate crime. Let oh, me just set this <laughs> All right. And then I get up on stage and I uh, just all I said, I, w- I had to do 45 minutes. Oh, all wow. I said was that I was from Ottawa. Okay. That's all it took. I was being booed. I had them threatening me. They wow. were like truckers like you know uh i'll see you in the parking lot good luck getting out of here alive because they started screaming at me yeah like about the truckers and i literally was like i i can't remember what the fuck i said but i just kind of in response was like uh they destroyed my fucking hometown or i don't remember what i said but it provoked them further right and then it got louder and i just got on stage and i still had to do 45 more minutes i'm being threatened i'm being booed i'm being screamed at i'm like I am so used to performing on Bloor Street in a basement <laughs> in Toronto, yeah. and now I'm being like, you know, like yelled at and threatened by the entire cast from Deliverance. I'm like, what is going on? Like, I I looked at my manager. I was like, start the car. Like, we gotta go because they were angry. But I stood my ground. I told my jokes. Okay, it was ask. really awkward for the first five minutes, but then. Right. You got him back. It ended up being a really good show. But okay, that good, first, good. Yeah, that first little, you gotta stand your ground, and sure. you gotta, you can't show fear because if you do, they lose respect for you. Like you, you gotta be like, no, this is my time. This is my stage. I guess, yeah. It's I've had, yeah, I've had some. I mean, I've been attacked after shows, you know, in small town Canada. That's like horrible. I've been, yeah, I've like a lot of. Like I've had, I've had a lot of shit, but you know, listen, like you can't, you can't let that define you or your career. It's just, sure. it's, and also it's not about you. Like it's, it's their like lack of education and teeth. <laughs> so you just kind of have to like oh be God. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's not about me. Like it's like, they come from a totally different world. You can't take it personally is what I'm saying. It's true. And kudos to you for getting them back. Cause a lot of comics say that's one of the hardest things. Once the crowd turns on you, like the, the most infamous one I always, everyone talks about is that the Bill Burr one, right? Where he just doubled down and kept going until he finally got the audience back to me that like, that's fantastic. And again, uh, kudos to you. Cause that's the signs of a good comic, right? 
I mean, I hope so, or I'm just delusional and arrogant. <laughs> Maybe you just blacked out and you're just making up a story again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, that'll be, yeah, the next podcast I'll just make up a full-on story. <laughs> <laughs> How about performing, like, because obviously you swear and you, your, your stories are out there and stuff. Are you able to perform for a PG audience? Say, like, for example, if you got contracted to, like, cruise ships, because that's a huge thing with comics too, right? I mean, uh, yeah, I do corporate shows. Um, I do swear in like this sort of a casual environment, but uh, I'm actually very good at doing corporate shows because I actually, I think the only swear word that I say in my set is uh, I say bitch. Uh, But actually, according to the CBC, you're allowed to say that word. I have said the word bitch on CBC radio many times. So you you can't do that. But uh, I actually don't really swear in my set. I don't. None of my punchlines rely on a swear word. So Smart. my my comedy is actually like I wouldn't say it's like squeaky clean, but like my comedy is pretty clean. Oh, that's cool. Well, sp- again, speaking of comedy, and you mentioned managers and all that. Working with a talent group, you work with William Hirsch Talent Group or management. Love Jake, he, former guest of the show, friend of the show. He's awesome himself as well. What made you want to go down that route in this day and age of do it yourself? type of thing like what's the benefits of having like a management group if people are looking into that i mean oh god i mean so jake so jake hirsch is the co uh manager of williams so there's kira williams and jake hirsch jake actually just texted me about a gig like <laughs> like before this podcast nice. and he just wrote hey with like a bunch of e's in between the y and the h and i was like oh no and he was like, why do you assume that it's something bad? I'm like, it's Canada. <laughs> um, listen, getting management in Canada, right. it is completely dependent on the direction that your career is going in. I wouldn't really recommend management for everybody. Okay. I used to be part of Yuck Yucks. Um, I don't really want to get into it too much, but sure. uh, they're not the greatest company let's just and then we'll just leave it there um i did have some really positive experiences with them but ultimately it's very restrictive but they do help you establish yourself as a comic in canada uh but then you eventually get to a point where um you're making them money they're not making you money so that's kind of why i left and i went the route of management because uh it's management is about your goals and it's like where do you want your career to go and realistically do you think that it could go there and your manager if if you have a good manager Mm -hmm. they should be able to tell you to your face whether or not like they will only really sign you if they believe that these goals are possible. Oh, okay. That um, makes sense. Yeah. So some people are like, Oh, I want a manager. I want a manager. It's like, what? You're just giving someone 15%. Mm. You know, it's like, if you, if you just want to perform and you just want to do clubs and you just want to do gigs and like in the, like throughout Canada and stuff like that, like you don't need a manager, right. but if you really want to double down, it's like to get a good manager. Also, like you got to have the credits you gotta work. It's not just like you pick up the phone. And you're, yeah. I'm ready. It's like no. yeah, exactly. Like it, <laughs> it takes a long time before a manager will be like, "Okay, you have got 
it, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I believe that we can take that and go somewhere with it. And um, Williams Hirsch uh, with Jake and uh, Kira, they are an incredible team that I constantly get compliments on nice. from uh, producers and and. Uh, people in the industry, they love dealing with them. They love working with them. Uh, And uh, they believe in me. I believe in them. And uh, that's very, very important. It's a mutual, it's a two-way street. Um, I think that a lot of people seem to think that if you get like a manager or some sort of management team, boom, you're, everything's figured out. Right. It's not that simple. Like it's, it's very complicated. And also Canada is a completely different frontier when it comes to entertainment. There are very few opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very competitive market. You really have to hustle your ass off just to make like an average income. Uh, it's not like the States where you can kind of just be okay and make like basically $200,000 a year right. kind of situation. It's, it's a totally different landscape, totally different game. And also like, we're what, like a, like 10% of the population of the United States. I know. So if you're like a niche comedian, you've just reduced your market even smaller than what Canada's population already is. It's, it's hard enough to be a gay comic in, in Canada. So it's like, if you're going to, if you are an LGBTQ comic, it's like you kind of have to be an LGBTQ comic that any anybody could find funny, anybody can relate to. If exactly. you're just going to go up on stage as an LGBTQ comic and talk about your specific interests of pop stars and TV shows, you have limited yourself so much. And listen, right. there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, again going back to the original point. It's just what are your goals and like exactly. where do you want to where like what kind of career do you want to have? Yeah, so no, I, I guess I can't really answer that. I hope I hope that answers the question, but really, management is it's it really just depends on what you're looking for. No, that makes total sense. No, of course. Now you also do podcasting. You host your own podcast, Best Actress. Now, for people yeah. who don't know, what's this all about? Like, do you have guests? What's the topics? Lay it on us. So, yeah, so uh, I host a uh, bi-monthly podcast called Best Actress, and what okay. we do is we go over old. Oscar year wins for best actress or best supporting actress. We watch all five movies and then oh, wow. we decide at the end who we think should have won. Oh, okay. It's a comedy podcast. Right. If you're looking for something like a history lesson, <laughs> then it's going to be this like, no, 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 no. Like it's, it's not that it's just like comedians. I only have comedians as guests. It's just comedians coming in right. and talking about their opinions. Of course, being respectful toward uh, the subject matter. Yeah. And, and like we're, 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 ma- we're making fun of certain things, but we are taking it seriously. Uh, so if you are a movie fan, like you would love this podcast, but um, it is a comedy podcast. It's not a history lesson. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a very successful global podcast. It's uh, number one in Mongolia. What? So, you know, That's no awesome. autographs over here. Uh, yeah, number one. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've gone to number one in weird countries. Like, I was number one in Barbados, like, two weeks ago. It's, it's, it's weird, it's isn't it? Of, like, it's the same thing with, with myself. I can't remember what it was. It was some Asian country that I was, like, yeah. in the top ten. I'm like, what the hell? Like, yeah. I, whatever, man. I don't care. I'll take it and yeah. run with it. <laughs> But uh, I got to be honest with you, I haven't figured out how to monetize it yet. See, I'm, I'm very good at the, 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 the work. I'm very good at, at creating the, the content.
content, right? But I have no idea how to make money off of it yet. But you know, I've only been doing it now for like two years. Okay, I'll, I got I got to figure it out. I got to figure it out. It's like my next thing to do. So how about this? What are you gonna do when you run out of movies to watch? Do you have some other topics? You already. Oh, well, I'll be honest with you. So when you're doing a podcast like Best Actress, when you go back, like pre like 1980, like 1975, the lead roles for women, mm-hmm. like the roles for women in Hollywood just weren't great. Yeah. And there were very few and far between that were actually like awesome material. Um, so there have been some painful episodes. Like we just did uh, Jessica Lange's second Oscar for the movie called Blue Sky uh, with Tommy Lee Jones that came out in 1995. It was originally uh, filmed by the studio house called Orion. It went bankrupt and they couldn't release the film until they went back in the black. It took four oh, wow. years and uh, it is regarded as one of the worst Oscar <laughs> years Ever and I, I, we did this episode. Okay, it was so fucking painful. It was like watching paint dry. I was like, oh my god. I think oh that no. the lead years. I think there's enough there for me to keep going for a while. Okay. but the supporting roles for women are worse in terms of like meaty, like good. So it's like. I think I'm going to do as many lead actress years as I can. Okay. And then when I'm done with that, I'm thinking of doing best actor. Oh, yeah. Then you transition over to that. Why not, right? Switch it up. Yeah. I would make it a separate podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then the bonus with that is some of the movies you won't have to watch again because you already watched it the first time around, right? Oh no, I got, I'm a purist. I have to, even if I've recently watched, I have to, cause I gotta, I make jokes and notes like while I watch it. So. Gotcha. Yeah. What, so what's been the best movie so far that you've had the pleasure of watching for the podcast? One of them that I watched, like, I mean, so many to name, but just the first one off the top of my head. Um, there was this movie, uh, that no one has ever heard of or ever seen, and it's starring Jessica Lange. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of hers. Okay. Um, it's called Music Box. And it's based on... They made a Netflix documentary about it where there was this old man okay. in the States somewhere who was suspected of being this horrible, violent butcher of a Nazi during the Holocaust. Oh, shit. And he was just kind of hiding in plain sight. He just, he had a family, he had kids and somebody recognized him and there was this big court case. It's all based on a true story. They made a Netflix documentary about it. It's like, it's called like the devil you may know or the devil next door or something like this. I I don't remember what it was called. But anyway, this movie is actually based on that. So this movie came out in like. I don't know, let's say like 1990 or something like it's an old movie, but that one. I would recommend to watch. That was an incredible, an incredible movie. Cause it's sort of like, is he, isn't he? It's a really good tension. I like that a lot. But then I can also tell you a ton of movies to never fucking watch ever. Like Tom and Viv with Miranda Richardson. That is a two hour nap right there. Okay. Um, there's, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of so many bad movies, but then yeah, sometimes you, you, you find, you find gems like that. You just, that you really, really love. Like, um, uh, 
educating Rita. Oh, that's never heard of that. Like it's legally blonde okay. was like a serious movie. Okay. And it's, it's with Michael, um, Michael, Michael Caine and, um, Julie Walters. Uh, that one, an incredible movie from like the, the, the eighties. You know, yeah. Tons of movies that I would recommend it and tons of movies that I, that I wouldn't, but if you ever want to know a year, just send me a message okay. and I'll tell you which ones to avoid. <laughs> That's awesome. So are you a TV guy as well? Or are you just strictly a, a movie buff? I mean, I think the pandemic made us all TV guys. I think the pandemic made us all movie people. There was nothing else to do. The show that I'm watching right now that I love okay. is Hacks with uh, Jean Smart. Okay. It's like she plays like a, uh, almost like a Joan Rivers type of character who has like mm-hmm. a Vegas show. Right. And she's kind of at the end of her career. And then they bring in this uh, writer to help her punch up her jokes. And this writer is like a canceled comedian who got canceled for a joke that they made on Twitter. It's a it's a very very good show. I would recommend watching that. Minx is a pretty good show that I've been watching recently. It's like the the female version of Playboy. I, well, obviously, it's it's not based on anything true, or is it? I don't even know. Maybe I should do my research before I put my foot in my mouth. But it's about back in the seventies, an up and starter woman wanted to come out with, with a, a magazine made for women, but then she could only get uh, another magazine involved. But he put out women smut i guess back then as they called it right so now he's trying to convert her to be like okay you got to be more edgy like women like sex it's not just about story and so it's like you see the struggle going back and forth and i think it's fantastic actually oh that's cool i love that that sounds interesting and and it's pretty short it's only like half hour per episode to me i find that uh, nowadays everything should be half an hour right i agree yeah. And then you can actually I see binge it. Comedians doing shows for like two and a half hours. I'm like, bitch, what? most movies aren't even an hour. Oh, yeah. I, and you're like, most movies aren't even like an hour and a half. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, because I was just going to say, I, as a comedian, especially nowadays, I've heard the same thing. Like, it's better to put out like 10, 15 minute clips than versus doing like a one hour show every time. I have a comedy special coming out on Crave, and it's like 35 oh, minutes long. And frankly, I think that that's, that's the sweet spot. <laughs> No, it is because and then Netflix came out with a study that they find that, uh, I don't know what, what the percent, but it's a very high percentage that when people start watching a stand-up special, everyone clicks off at around the 20, 30 minute mark and don't even come back and end up watching the, the end. So a lot of comics now that are getting these specials, because Netflix wants the one hour, and I'm sure you know, you could attest to this, when someone wants something, you got to provide it, right? Or else you won't get paid. So the comics are now putting all their best jokes on the front end and then leaving all the shit ones on the back end because they're knowing no one's watching it. <laughs> It's, you know, I, uh, my finger is not really on the pulse whenever it comes to stand-up comedy specials because as okay. a person that lives and breathes stand-up comedy and watches so much terrible stand-up all the time, I see oh. good stand-up, I see bad stand-up, my whole life is stand-up. The last thing that I want to do in my spare time is watch a fucking Netflix comedy special. Like, I'm good. Like, that's, I, I watch a million of those. You know what I'm saying? Of course. But, the one that I watched recently was the Jared Carmichael one um, okay. where he comes out and he was on Saturday Night Live talking about it. And so I thought, oh, like, I'll watch it. You know, it's not really a, it's not really stand up. You know, it, it's it, he's literally sitting down in the entire special. Oh, wow. And okay. it's more of like a one man show that's gotcha. kind of funny than it is like a stand up comedy special. But People like Hannah Gatsby and, and, and him and I don't know others. There's this trend now in comedy. And this goes back to the initial question that you had asked me about, like, 
being referred to as a stand-up or a comedian mm-hmm. or as a, you know what I mean? It, this is why I'm broadening my horizons of what I consider stand-up because there's been so many specials that have been coming out where like half of it is like a TED talk and it's not like jokes. It's like these traumatic, st- like you're sitting through someone's therapy session. Sure. Okay. And this is another thing that I'm, this is very common. So I find that maybe because they have to fill an hour, maybe that's why they're oh, doing that. Oh, yeah. Maybe. I, I don't know. But this is a this is a very common trend that I'm noticing in, in stand-up. So I don't really watch a lot of stand-up comedy specials. I also find, too, if you work in stand-up and if you mm-hmm. do watch a lot of stand-up comedy specials, it yeah. kind of tends to influence your work. Oh. But I try to avoid that as much as possible. Right, right. Now, how about before you got into comedy, what's some of your like all-time favorite albums or specials that you used to watch? I'm a huge in in Canada. I'm obsessed with um, comedian from Montreal. Her name is Heidi Foss. Okay, she's this very dry, very witty one liner kind of comedy. Um, American wise, I was obsessed with Margaret Cho, Kathy Griffin, Amy Schumer. I was obsessed with. Uh, when I started, I was like an Amy Schumer clone. <laughs> Maria Bamford is probably my favorite comic. Okay, um, and uh, Maria Bamford is probably my favorite comic. Old school Amy Schumer would be my favorite comic, but she's she's her she's changed her style of comedy, and right. I, I just kind of prefer her old style of comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Jim Gaffigan. I think Jim Gaffigan is probably like the best writer working because. I don't think people can appreciate how difficult it is to get a punchline every sentence or two. Ah, good point. And he'll do an hour of that every single year. Like, he has, like, a brand new special every year where it's joke, 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 joke. Like, that is... People cannot appreciate how hard that is to do. It's literally like writing a novel, um, like a good novel every year. Like, that's... That's insane. And he's so good at that. So... There are so many comedians that I love that influence me, but like my favorites are probably like Amy Schumer, Maria Bamford, Jim Gaffigan. And then like my next tier would be like, you know, Sarah Silverman, mm-hmm. Heidi Foss, one of my favorites. I love Wendy Liebman. Like I, I, I love female comics mostly because I'm gay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah. Those are those are comics that that influenced me, but there's also a ton of Canadian comics that I also love too. Like there's, I have so so many, so many. So before we get to the word story of the week, how about some of your favorite sitcoms of all time? Oh, oh the Golden Girls, Frasier. Uh, Frasier, really? I, I could never. That one. I can never get into Frasier. That's the one that everyone loves that I could just not get in. I don't know what it was. Uh, I'll tell you, I hated Friends. I could never oh. get into Friends. I okay. cannot get into Friends because, as a, if you're like any minority, oh. Friends is the antithesis of the minority because Friends is like girls are like this, boys are like this, right. and we're all white. And <laughs> let's just get together and and make jokes about it. And like, sure. it, it's it's one of these things where when you're watching a show like Friends, it's just like. Yeah, if you're any kind of minority, you can't really relate to it. And I, I just hate the way... Also, that show is so fucking homophobic. Like, the way that the guys interact with each other and how, like, right. like no homo they are. It's like, okay. Like, as a child, I was rolling my eyes. Like, do you oh, understand? Wow. Yeah, like, yeah. I see what you're saying. But 
sitcoms. No, I, I, I love, I love, I love tons of sitcoms, but I'm, I'm rewatching Frasier right now. And okay. I, I'm at like the drop off. I'm at like the ninth season where it kind of loses steam. Let's say, I mean, it's right. not that it's not funny, but like, it's not really funny. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So ready for the worst story of the week, my friend. I am ready for the worst story of the week. <laughs> okay. Well, how about this? Before we get to it, have you ever done anything too excessively that has caused you harm, like to yourself? Yeah. One time I ate, I love wine gums, like Maynard's oh, wine gums. Okay. They, I don't know what it is. I am obsessed with them and sure. I have to eat them in the order of orange, purple, yellow, green, red. I have to divide them all out. I okay. have a compulsive disorder. What's up? <laughs> and I one time had three bags of them and I washed it down with carbonara and a cup of whiskey because oh, wow. I hate myself. And then I had a really, really bad gallbladder attack and I had to go to the hospital. Oh, wow. And they had to do like an ultrasound and they were okay. like, what caused this? And I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> I didn't want to admit it. Cause I was like, Oh, you dumb bitch. You fucked up. And I did, but yeah, I it's eating too much candy. And I put myself in the hospital. <laughs> okay. That's not, that's not too, too bad. Well, this week's story comes from Switzerland where a 20 year old man landed himself in the hospital for excessively doing what? If you had to guess. I'm going to assume it's something dirty, but just for fun, okay. I'm going to say excessively eating his own couch. I don't know if you ever saw that TLC episode of what? People with Strange Addictions, but there was no. this bitch that ate her whole fucking couch, and she was addicted what? to eating her couch. So that is going to be my final answer, eating eating his couch. Okay. This whole couch thing, this has got me intrigued. I could do another pocket. Did she put hot sauce on it? She just Did she fry it or something? Just ate it raw? She, she would like no 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 she like raw like she would open up the cushions okay. and she would like eat like r- tear apart the cushion the f- and like eat it. Okay, well, to each his own. She's not hurting anyone but herself, so that's my whole thing. As long as you're not hurting anyone else, go fucking nuts. <laughs> okay, so why he went to the hospital? Excessively masturbating, of course. Yeah, like come on. I- so here's the whole story. He masturbated so hard and long that he tore his lung. His lung tore. Because he was doing it so much, I guess, you know, the breathing, you know, every time you climax, you know, you get that sensation in you. Like, your blood pressure goes through the roof, obviously, if you're having sex, right? So, I would assume the same thing for masturbating. So, he he got chest pains and shortness of breath, so he went to the hospital. But it was worse than it actually sounds. There's really nothing you can do for that. The lung will heal itself. Everything is okay. It's actually, it happens a lot in, like, athletes' cases and stuff like that. But the doctors were just in awe as well because they were like, they did all the testing and everything and then they finally found out it was the lung and then they asked him and then he's like, nah, man, I just, you know, been masturbating for so long or something and the doctor's like, no, nah, it's got to be something else because apparently you only burn 70 calories on an average masturbation session. I did not know that. That's very low calorie. Like, I thought it was a lot higher than that. Okay. I mean, my first, like, my first thought... Okay is like what violent jerk off session to <laughs> what a I lung collapse yes! like right that is that that has to be like a move like the lung collapse like, oh my that god in itself is like <laughs> was it was it cuz it was it was oh. maybe it was worth it maybe oh, this this you're onto this, something yeah it's a new form maybe, of edging maybe 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe it was just this explosive moment that part of his insights came out through his dick like maybe some of his lung came out through his dick and that's why like his lung got all like that's like he tore his lung it just like it got sucked that that's i that's uh yeah that's interesting well he's not the only one apparently apparently it was a 51 year old now this makes a bit more sense because he's a bit older a 50 year old man in, in japan Ended up getting a stroke from excessively masturbating. That I could see. That sort of makes sense, especially at that age, right? But this guy, I used to, yeah. Well, I used to watch this show, uh, like Intervention, okay. on A and E, and there was this guy who used to smoke meth every morning at oh. like five o'clock in the morning, and okay. then he would like excessively masturbate until like two o'clock in the afternoon. Oh wow. I can't even imagine how raw your fucking skin would be after something like that. Right. But I mean, you know, I mean, it, it, if that's what, <laughs> if that's what does it for you, meth and jerking off, like, I mean, I guess all the power to you, but I feel like the skin on your dick would just be gone. Like I just feel like I would like think so burn at that point. Well, we we are in the advanced age. Maybe he wasn't using his hand. Well, well, then there wouldn't be masturbation. They would be calling it something else if he was using toys and stuff, right? So, yeah, he, he would have to use his hand. I love that you selected this question for me. It's great. And this is like Kyle will like. <laughs> hey, who knows more about dicks? Son brand. Well, yeah, exactly. exactly right. Who knows more about dicks than a gay stand-up comic? <laughs> Well, plug your shit where people can find you. Any upcoming shows? Okay, great. So, yeah, guys, if you uh, have Crave, check have a common special coming out to Crave. It's called Interesting Lyle. I, I think it might be coming out in the next couple months. I don't know exactly when, <laughs> but keep your eyes peeled for that. And also check out the Best Actress podcast available wherever iTunes are. We have a new episode every two weeks and uh, number one in Mongolia. So we're doing very well. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and for myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com. Please rewind to the top of the show. Support those fine sponsors because if it helps them out, most definitely helps me out. And most importantly, please, each and every week, rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. One last question before I let you go, my friend. Yes. Was working at Starbucks honestly your worst job ever? Uh, no. The worst job that I ever had was I worked at a Cora's. Oh, of course. I love that place, actually. I actually, I have since forgiven. I have since gone back, but okay. there was a, a long time in my life where I wouldn't go. I got fired Oh no! Uh, because the boss that I had okay. was the biggest idiot I have ever had the unfortunate pleasure mm. of working with that just hindered me from doing my job like prevented me literally like would take me aside and what? and when i was in the middle of a rush and be like when the food is ready on the pass yeah bring it to people's tables and i'd be like yeah that was kind of my only option but thanks <laughs> it's like just things like this where they would literally prevent me from doing my job yeah, yeah. um and uh listen i earned i earned this on my own but i will say this i don't regret it one day, I just fully snapped. I oh, was wow. like, 
oh my god like i know like and the thing that kills me is the day yeah. before the regional manager came in and said that i was their favorite server oh wow Look they were that. like this person is doing a great job yeah yeah and then i got fired the next day because i i snapped on the manager this manager was the stupidest person i've ever it's not even a funny story it's just the worst job i've ever had <laughs> no you know what i'm sure everyone listening could relate and at one time point in their lives they've all wanted to snap at their manager so that's awesome yeah. that you got to I, do I don't it. i got fired on the spot and i'm like peace like <laughs> like i can't stand working here <laughs> on that note he's kyle i'm steve this is the podcast peace peace